I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. So, uh, on this episode, we are going to be discussing the 1994 film Rockwell, A Legend of the Wild West, starring Randy Gleave and Carl Malone. So why are we discussing Rockwell, A Legend of the Wild West? Well... That's a very good question. That is a very good question. So the origin of this has to do with a four DVDs for one, for $10 sale at Grey Whale. And I needed a fourth DVD. Oh, okay. And this looked like this might be fun to talk about in a so bad it's good sense, but it's, it's really so bad it's bad. Yeah, you uh, overpaid in that deal. I overpaid in that deal. I yeah. very well may have. This is... Uh, I. There's very little information available about this film online. Yeah. About all I was really able to come... Like, I don't know what the budget is. I don't know hardly anything about it. But the original film appears to have been a direct-to-video from 1994. I don't think it was ever theatrically released. And the DVD release is from 2003. See, I'm confused about that because it was... It points out in the, in the credits that it was SAG-sanctioned. So mm-hmm. these are SAG-credited roles. So people who appeared in this film can get their Screen, Act- screen Actors Guild card mm-hmm. from this role. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, continue that, however that system works. And it is on IMDb, though only four characters who are credited in this film even have a picture yeah. on IMDb. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and one of those is Carl Malone, and you can't really... I mean, he did appear in a number of movies and things, and TV shows, but I don't know that you can really call him an actor. Yeah. So you remember, uh, we just recorded an episode about the film Extremely Loud... And incredibly close, in which I referred to uh, the, the the main kid as not an actor, uh-huh. not a real actor. I have to take that back. Yeah. <laughs> because this this film, because that kid would have, I mean, incredible yeah. Com- compared to every single performance in this film. Well, and I think there was probably there's probably at least a half dozen character. Well, probably closer to a dozen people who are played by the same actor or actress, just repeating the same kind of role or performance mm-hmm. you know like that girl we see in the opening sequence i think she appears in two or three other roles in the film mm-hmm. but yeah it was i didn't enjoy this yeah i got that sense yeah i found it watchable on one viewing but i i see no purpose in ever watching this again i can see that but it was barely just barely watchable. barely watchable it was not factually accurate. It no. was. There's no. I, there's nothing I can say really redeeming about this film. Mm. In a way, it's kind of charming. Like you kind of see that their ambition was above their capability and, and a little bit of what they were trying to do, but it was just beyond them. We should probably explain who Porter Rockwell is for those in the audience who may not be aware. Uh, this film is based on an actual historical person, though the specifics. Again, uh, there's not a lot of facts we'll to Leave those. something to be desired. Yeah, so Porter Rockwell was a man uh, who was uh, it's kind of a, a folk hero in Mormon circles. To be PC, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints circles. Mm-hmm. So Porter Rockwell, uh, his full name is Oren Porter Rockwell. Uh, he was born in Massachusetts in 1813. He uh, was one of the earliest uh, people to join the Church of Jesus, what became the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He joined in 1830. Uh, exactly when, there's a little dispute, probably sometime between April and June of that year. So he was one of the first uh, official members of the church. He was a bodyguard for Joseph Smith, the founding prophet of the church, and later for Brigham Young. Uh, he was U.S. Marshal. Uh, he... Uh, 
was a lawman. He was reportedly involved in a uh, assassination attempt on uh, Missouri Governor, a former Missouri Governor Laburn Boggs, in owing to the 1838 Mormon extermination War. Order. Yeah, owing to the extermination order. Uh, he's a colorful character. He was married at least three times, had at least seven children. Uh, he was famous for having grown out his hair Samson-like. There was stories that if he cut the hair, that he basically is invulnerable unless he cut the hair. Though, according to Wikipedia, he did once cut his hair to provide a wig for the widow of Don Carlos Smith, who was the younger brother of Joseph Smith, and she, something had happened to her and she lost her hair, and so he cut off his hair to make a wig for her, which is kind of a story. Admirable. Um... He was uh, he was quite the character. There's uh, much, there's many Porter Rockwell stories. Uh, you'll yeah. find people that are Porter Rockwell enthusiasts and know many all about apocryphal them. Porter Rockwell, yeah. Rockwell stories. Um, this claims to have been drawn from a Porter Rockwell history. It could at best be loosely drawn yeah. from that. There's I don't think there's anyone who could interpret the you know even generously interpret the majority of this yeah. as being even remotely factually yeah. accurate so and one one of the problems i mean this this film is just lazy that's the main problem for its uh yeah and that's something i was going to take umbrage with you said that their ambition outstripped their their talent uh-huh. um i disagree because somebody who's ambitious at least understands what their talent level is and matches their desire you know their vision to their skill level this was just lazy because it it had no ambition they didn't even attempt to cover certain things. Mm. You know, there was a number of scene-related things that I was pointing out to Nate mm. as we went through the movie. I think my favorite weird cut is, so it begins in 1844 with events surrounding the martyrdom of Joseph Smith, who never says a word in the film. Yeah. The actor who they get to play, Joseph Smith, doesn't look particularly like him. Uh, he's got gray hair, yep. which is uh, notable. And then you cut to 1847, and there's one scene of Wagon Train, and then you cut to 1853. It's like, just so you remember, they went out west. And now let's go back to 1853, where they focus on Charles Higby. He's a relatively minor character in church history. He was uh, involved in the Nauvoo Expositor Affair, which was a newspaper created by disaffected Mormons in 1844 that charged Joseph Smith and others with polygamy. And the uh, Joseph Smith, he was also mayor of Nauvoo, which was a town in Illinois the church was based in at the time. He had the press destroyed, uh, legally questionable whether he could have or should have done it, and ultimately it resulted in his imprisonment, and he was killed by a mob uh, while in jail. And so Higby was involved in that, Charles Higby as well as his brother Francis, but this movie needs a through-line villain. So Higby just keeps showing up over yeah. the next 10-plus years doing nefarious things, including involvement with a mining company that's trying to do some kind of scheme like to steal mining rights from the Mormons. Yeah. Yeah. It's never made very clear exactly what's some kind of See, a land but you, theft. you kind of skimmed over one of the lazy things I was talking about, like that scene in the Carthage jail, the Joseph Smith assassination. Mm-hmm. The, the facts of that scenario are so readily available. To do it so poorly as they did in this film, just sheer laziness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, as we've mentioned, it's, it's not good. It, it, it takes a while to really see where they were going. Like, uh, the longest time, I'm like, where is this going? It's just kind of rambling. Yeah. And then and then once you realize, oh, Higby's the big bad. So it's all it's going to end with a confrontation with Higby, which it does. It's, yeah. It's a silly, it's a silly ending. Yeah. It's a historically absolutely inaccurate ending. Yeah. And then you've got the presence of Carl Malone. 
in the For film. what reason is not even in any way, shape, or form even remotely clear. Which was what I was most curious about when I saw this film. Carl Malone is in it. Carl Malone is black. 19th century Mormon history, not a lot of blacks in that. Yeah. Uh, for, for a number of reasons. So how are they going to shoehorn him into this story? And so he plays, I think he starts out as an undertaker. A in former Illinois, undertaker. Former undertaker in Illinois. Yeah. Uh, who's from a state that bordered a slave state. He mentions, Somewhere I grew up, in, I grew up near, a, near a slave state. And they never actually say that he's become a member of the church. I don't know if it's supposed to be implied, but he, he goes west and he becomes uh, a lawman. Yeah. Uh, and along Porter Rockwell, along with Porter Rockwell, and him, and uh, like the only other actor in the film that I could really recognize was this uh, gentleman named Scott Christopher. Uh, Scott Christopher was in the best best two years. Yes, and he was also on a show called Granite Flats, which was on BYU TV, and he shows up in local commercials both here in Idaho. Yes, yeah. is a face that you see. Yeah. And so him and Carl Malone are basically teamed as kind of comic relief, even though they're not particularly funny. Yeah. They're kind of the buddies. How how'd you go? Oh, we're in another adventure. And they're all involved in community theater, which was a real weird... Inexplicably. Inexplicably. We got to go get the bad guys, but we got to be back in time for, for rehearsals at the community theater. Yeah. And they got this loincloth gag where... where for one of the plays. Where two, two of them have to wear the loincloth, and, and Porter Rockwell's in the play, but he can't act. And for some I reason, thought, they have an Italian director. I would have given them the credit of it ha- having been some sort of Man of La Mancha, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that they said they were supposed to be Peruvian Indians. Yeah, yeah, some kind of conquistador play. Yeah. Uh, are, are they doing a... Uh, very early version of Aguilar, the Wrath of God. I, I have no clue. Um, yeah, there's like Nate said, there's little information about this. Uh, we could recognize a number of the filming locations here in Utah. Yeah, that was the funnest thing about it. At the end, though, they somehow miraculously jump from edits where they're at the Great Salt Lake down to Archers National Park and back to the Great Salt Lake. Literally shot after shot, no in, nothing in between. Anybody who's familiar with geography of Utah knows that's hundreds of miles apart. It was, yeah, it was interesting. So where, where were some of the places that we thought, I mean, it listed some of the places. Uh, Cherry Hill, which is up in Davis County. Uh, there was another place lo- listed up in Layton County. Uh, we assumed one of the locations was, this is the place, uh, Heritage Park. I still think it was. Uh-huh. Um, and then there were some places. They may credited differently. Yeah, well, I think it was before it was actually designated oh, that. okay. And then there were some locations down in uh, Utah County. Mm. So did you say Joab County? I thought there was one that was Joab County, but I didn't see anything mm. that far south uh, referenced in the in the filming yeah. location credits. So mm. yeah. So it was it was kind of neat to see some of those locations. Most of this is filmed out of doors. Yeah, they don't have a lot of budget, and there's very few interior. The scenes. same couple of hills, same couple of hills, keep same reappearing as backdrops. The same cabin period uh, appears numerous times. As I think it appears as like six different homes in the yeah. film. Um, but yeah, then there was one street that they appeared to have access to. For a minute, I thought some of it might have been filmed at Lagoon. I'm not sure if that's the case. If if so, they didn't name Lagoon Park mm-hmm. directly. There's a scene where the bad guys uh, are in a parlor or something. I mean, there's a scene or two where they're in like a bar or a restaurant. But there's one scene that I think was probably filmed in one of those little cutaway 
uh, historical home replicas, probably in the Utah Pioneer, down yeah. to the Utah Pioneer Museum, yeah. where they show what the furnishing and stuff looked like. I mean, oh, and that was one just of the, the places the, where the angles was like. Yeah. If if they moved the camera a little far in another direction, they'd ruin the effect because it's. And that is a place that's referenced in the filming location mm-hmm. credits is the Daughters of Utah Pioneers, so which is in Salt Lake City up by the state capitol. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, women in this film, and Porter um, Rockwell and women in this film. Uh, Porter Rockwell, whether this is historically accurate or not, uh, is from this film appears to have a predilection for young women. Yeah. Or young women had really liked Porter Rockwell for some reason. They really want to bring this point home to the viewer because it comes up a lot. Yes. There are numerous scenes where underage women are very attracted to Porter Rockwell. Yep. And there's at least three. And it ends in probably my favorite line in the film because it's this self-aware kind of capper line to all this. Where there's this girl who's probably 11, yeah. who he's, he's rescued, and she's trying to make herself look pretty for him, which is disturbing. And that's the dog in the background. And he says this line of, uh, I swear I'm the only man alive that this happens to. <laughs> he just keeps noticing that these girls keep... It, it is my favorite line. My second favorite line is, I collect ears. Yeah. From the ear guy that he has this weird conversation with. Well, out in the middle of nowhere, he beats this guy. That's non-sequitur. The non-sequitur who killed this Hinkley guy that was his friend, even though we never least, saw him with Or at Hinkley. least that's established in the shot, but there's no, you know, nothing to set that shot up. I collect ears. Yeah. But there's also, speaking of women in this film, the bathing scene. Oh, yeah. So I made a number of inappropriate comments about that that I don't think I want to repeat yeah. in, the, in the podcast. So but. this, this, so, so there's one particular young lady... There's also one swear word in this film. Yeah. Refresh me. They said... Oh, they did. Yeah. yeah. I'll me, edit that out. Bring me his... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, one of the girls that, that likes uh, Porter Rockwell... The only one who seems to be of age. Well, she's probably not when they first meet. Well, she's definitely not when they first meet and that in Illinois. And then they flash forward yeah. to, you know, nine years later uh, to Utah. And she is Mary Ann Neff, who was an actual wife of Porter Rockwell... And there's a scene where she's in her cabin and she's taking a bath and it is edited as close to the line as you could get in a... In terms of cleavage PG, in terms and, of cleavage. And, um, and butt crack. And, 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 and just implications. Like, it's just a weird decision. Uh, like, who's bareback. The, who's yeah. the audience for this film? Because this one scene, and maybe one or two other scenes that are... The one comment, kind of violent. The one comment I made that I will repeat for this podcast mm-hmm. is when LDS women objected to this part of the film, all I can do see is the directors having gone, well, that's the artistic part. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it's not just, attached to anything. It didn't fit in yeah. to the film at all. It's just there. It just it was pointless and it was exploitative. Uh, but it's you know, and it stands out in a film of this caliber, yeah. of this type and caliber. It just, it's just, it's flirting with it. Interestingly it, enough, that was the best shot scene of the film. Uh Yeah. So, for what it's worth. Yeah, the whole film has kind of a gauzy look to it. It, I don't think this was filmed on film. I think, I think this was filmed on video. Yeah. Well, you mean you, you think it was filmed on some sort of recorded film, not like a digital recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 With it, uh, poor it, filters. It doesn't look good. 
and the audio is the other thing. There's a time or two that you can see boom boom mics in it. Well, there's at the beginning the audio is actually okay, but then you keep seeing the boom mic in the shot, and then later in the film it seems like they stopped using boom mics so they wouldn't end up getting them in the shots. Yeah, and then the audio goes to crap. This film was probably filmed in the fall. Yeah, uh, because we have scenes that that look summery. And then we have a lot of scenes where you can tell it's fall from the trees and they're out in it's, the, the yeah, high. It's, it the clearly high, uh, was filmed in the fall uh, with the intent of getting being able to film around the time of the first like couple of snowfalls. Yeah, because you have a only couple a scenes. couple scenes where you yeah. have the snowfalls. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of those were filmed later, like 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 they wrapped general production. Maybe they came back and filmed a couple. Scenes I don't know. Later. Yeah, but uh, this movie is not good. Yeah, it's not good. I can't recommend it. How would you rate it? Ooh. Probably give it one star. See, and I still think you're being generous. I would, on the four star scale, I'd straight up give it a zero. Really? And on the ten star scale, I'm trying to decide if this is as bad as the Star Wars Christmas special, mm. which is the other one we yeah. both disliked. Uh, you're right. That, um, we were trying to think. I gave that, that one, I think, one star on the ten star scale. I'm trying to decide if this is as bad as that or worse. It's probably two or three. On, on uh, probably again, two. I think you're being maybe. I mean, you could convince me it's a two. I didn't like. It wasn't torture to watch. It wasn't good, but I didn't like viscerally hate it. Yeah. And I have to to give something less than one star. I'd have to. It'd have to be really getting me. I and certainly will never didn't. watch this again. This is. I mean, I never thought I would recommend Velocipaster, but if you've got the choice between if this you and Velocipaster, go watch Velocipaster. You would watch Velocipaster. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to add about this movie? No. Because we've already talked about it longer than I thought longer we would. Longer <laughs> than anybody has probably ever talked about th- about it. I and think this might likely be the only podcast out there that talks about, what's the full name of it, Rockwell? Rockwell, A Legend of the Wild West. Yes, I have a feeling we're the only podcast out there that will be talking about this film. So now you got to, you know. We will be the number one YouTube search result. Um, someone would actually have to search for it in order for that to happen. Uh, it's true. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. And uh, you've had some uh, extra commentary from my dog, Scout. So I hope you've enjoyed his squeakers, his toys, and his occasional growl. Anything else to say about this film? Um, uh, you said you're going to take it to Savers now. Yeah, this this thing goes to Savers. You know what? It might be enter- you know it might be entertaining to do. What? Donate it to Savers and then go in and see how long it stays on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
when, when we were talking about uh, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, uh-huh. uh, I was thinking we, we should track down all the blacks in the Salt Lake phone book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and just visit with them. Except I don't even know if they publish that type of a phone book here anymore. Mm. I think all we get anymore is the yellow pages. Yeah. I don't think we've had white pages in quite a while now, so I don't mm. know. Have to find an old phone book. Mm. Yeah. Fun. Alrighty. Well, we'll wrap this one up.